This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another episode of the No Ceilings Podcast. I am Tyler Metcalf, joined as always by Tyler Rucker. Rucker, how's it going? I'm doing great, Mr. Metcalf. How are we doing? Did you celebrate harder than Patrick Beverly last night? True or false? Uh, I plead the fifth. Um, <laughs> so I, I I feel like I came in a, a little too mellow last episode and nerves were high. I was a little anxious going into that game and for a lot of it. Uh, things weren't going to hot shout out ed malloy and scott foster but god damn it that game rocked oh we my can god, talk I'm about fine. it a little bit i know we got some draft stuff but if you want to let some we didn't we didn't even talk about it before we hit record so if you want to if you want to voice your opinions about that game i mean it was incredible <sighs> it was um it was so much fun you had to be dealing with a lot with the uh the carl anthony towns lost his talent from space jam aliens game um Anthony Edwards looked like the best player in the league for a couple minutes in the game. I was like, oh my gosh, Ant-Man playoff mode is going to be really awesome if they pull this off. But what what a grind. Um, I, I was very impressed. Minnesota, I kept thinking the Clippers were going to like pull away yeah, um, because they're so damn tough this yeah. time of the year because they just know it. And Minnesota just never stopped. They were like, screw it. We're coming right at you. And it, so that's cool. That's what I love about young teams too. But um I need everyone to calm down about giving Patrick Beverly shit. Although I will admit that I laugh too about the, we are the champions on TNT, <laughs> but um, cool for Pat Bev. You know, um, I joked on Twitter that he's like a Mario when he gets the mushroom, when he gets inside your head, like that's you're feeding the beast with Patrick Beverly. Mm-hmm. If you let him own real estate, but yeah, you got to be on cloud nine, man. Oh man. I'm, I am so pumped. I, I 100% understand why people are clowning on them for the way they celebrated it, 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 was, it was a little much a little. and all but that you know john krasinski at the athletic wrote an awesome piece earlier this year um when delo called out the quiet ass fans which they were um and ever since then they have really picked it up and that atmosphere last night was incredible and I, I highly, highly, highly recommend going over to The Athletic and reading that John Krasinski piece. I tweeted that out last night as well. But it really just does a, such a good job of detailing how tortured this fan base and this Timberwolves fan base is and how they've had nothing to root for since 2004. And now we do. And Anthony Edwards is morphing into Michael Jordan. I'm not being hyperbolic. Um, d- d- don't roll your eyes at me. I, <laughs> no, no. And, and listeners, I, I feel you doing it already too. But w- what he did last night, that kid has no fear. Uh, God, he's just so much fun. And just he's so easy to root for too. Yeah, the 
he still is one of the guys in the league that, and he might be the one guy that stands out to me the most lately is when he gets in the lane with some momentum, Yeah, his explosiveness to get up. And it's not him trying to dunk on everyone every time. It's just him going physically like tough towards the basket. And a couple of times last night, I was like, Oh my gosh, like, you know, the MJ thing is a little crazy, but I, I understand you're, you're drunk on emotions right now. So if I, but he does get like, he glides through the air like yeah. that, where it's just kind of like, you're just jaw dropped, but it was crazy. The environment was awesome. Watching on TV, it like they had the towels going. People were standing. I was like, this feels like like the KG era in yeah. his prime. Like it was just cool. It was an awesome, awesome game. Um, I hated the playing tournament idea a couple years ago. Now every time I'm like, damn, this is kind of awesome. So, um, you know, it, shout out to the T Wolves. It, it's going to be exciting for a series. Um, I have a feeling Morant's going to be pretty pumped for game one. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see. Yeah, the 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 four games those two had this year were really good too. Um, so I, I, you know, I don't think the Timberwolves are going to beat the Grizzlies. So calm down, everyone. I'm not completely delusional here. Although, you know, um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but I do think it is going to be a good series. I would be shocked if they lost in four or five. I fully expect it to go six or seven, and I would be stunned if we see that awful of a Carl Anthony Towns again. Um, he was awful. And, and he's kind of let the Clippers get in his head the way they defend him like that every time they played this season. And once he, a, the first call or two don't go his way, he can really spiral and take himself out of games. And with Ed Malloy and Scott Foster on the floor, just reversing technicals as they see fit, um, anything is possible, unfortunately. But but en- enough of my my gushing over the glorious Timberwolves victory, the the one of the greatest wins in franchise history. God, that's sad and true all at the same time. But we are here to talk about the 2022 draft class. And we, everyone loves lists. Everyone loves numbers. So we're going to build one of our own with our top 10 boomer bust prospects in this draft. So this can vary because I, I think it, w- it can give a really good insight of how we view some of these guys and Obviously, the 90th percentile for one guy is different than another, but I think the chances of prospects hitting those percentile outcomes are also really different. So these are guys that we could easily see becoming high-end starters and even falling out of the league before they hit their second contract. And the way we're going to build this list is just alternating picks, uh, basically like mock draft. And with the first pick, Rucker, I'll let you go first. Um, yeah, this, I'm really excited for this. Um, you, you brought this idea up and I was like, this is a good one. I, I kind of like doing the, the creative, like almost draft stuff where it's like making lists and, and all this wild anarchy, because, you know, we talk about so much damn stuff every day between group chats and, and message boards or whatever, or Twitter and me and you just texting back and forth. It's like, okay, it's fun to get a new little idea. But, um, my first boomer bus guy I'm going to throw out there is someone who just entered his name into the draft. I'm going to, I'm going to roll with the Peyton Watson train. I think this is a humongous boomer bust guy. Um, because it, it's, you know, I feel like we hinted on this before um, all the episodes kind of get blurred into one, but I, I do feel like he's going to have to go somewhere. That's going to be very, very patient with his development. Now, 
you know, it, for anyone listening that didn't watch Peyton Watson very closely this year, it's like he was going to be potentially like a top 10 pick heading into the year. Um, like six, nine, lengthy as hell. Um, really, really special defensive tools. Like he could be a problem if everything goes right. The offense isn't there. I think the outside shot was something that was being developed every, like all year. I saw him in the beginning of the year. The, the fundamentals were all over the place. Um, it, it's shown like it's gotten better. So I, I still think like that's going to be a development. He's got to put weight on. But what he can already do with how raw he is, like it is effortless. It is beautiful when he's got some confidence rolling. So I – the funny thing about Peyton Watson, like he didn't play a ton at UCLA. If, if anyone listening hasn't watched him, um, you look at his stats, you're going to be like, what? Because he just struggled to get on the court. But I've gone back and watched his FIBA stuff. And, and man, when they put the ball in his hands, he can do some special stuff. So I, I really do think like this was the wild card we were kind of thinking might happen um, with him declaring for the draft. And if he goes to the right place for his patient and, and lets that confidence build, I still could see him climbing and, and kind of ending up in the end of the first round. And we're like, well, there, someone believes in him. Like that's all it takes is one team. So yeah, that's my first boomer bust guy for the, uh, the BOB draft, no ceilings draft. That's what I just named it. What about you, Metcalf? What do you think? Or, or do you want to hit me with your first? Yeah, I, I definitely had Watson on my list. Um, I, I think that's a really good call. I think the defense is legitimate. I love his length, his shot blocking, his bit, just like the attitude he plays with. Yeah. Um, he, like he, he, he just plays like a tough MFer. Um, and then I really like his passing. He didn't get to show it at all outside of high school. Um, and especially not at UCLA, but I definitely think there's some on-ball upside there with him. And I, I forget which episode it was, but it was an earlier one where I threw out the name. What about what or you know what about Jimmy Butler as his outcome? And obviously that'd be incredible outcome, and that's 99th percentile way down the line. But that type of player who still has the ability to get to the rim, who can play make, who can kind of score inside the arc, but it doesn't have a three-point shot really and is a dog on defense. So landing spot I think is going to be really important for him. Uh, like we talked about on last episode, organizational culture and patience is going to be really important for him. But the tools are there, and especially the athletic gifts that you can't really teach and that mindset of wanting to fight and battle um, on every possession is there. So I, I definitely think that he's one of these guys where – we look back on it, it's like, oh, God, how, classic dumb front offices letting him fall to 25 or something. And, you know, but at the same time, maybe he doesn't do anything more than break out of the G League. And the, the if that shot never improves, um, even a little bit, that could be the case. Yeah. Um, I just wildly thought in the back of my head, like, oh, my gosh, the Bucks should just take him. <laughs> with their pick in the first round and just be like, we're, we just did this. We're going to do it again. And he's going to have a, a guy that just tells them how to do everything. And because I, I'm not kidding. Like he is, when he is rolling and his confidence flowing, like he jumps off the, there, the talent yeah. is one of the top in the drafts. Like it is unbelievable when he's, when he's got some confidence going and he's doing some special stuff. Cause he's like a, he's a grab and go guy that gets up the floor in a hurry has great vision and defensively like he can 
he could do some stuff with his shot blocking and anticipation that's just like, oh man, if someone just like grooms all the tools together, like that is a heck of a get. So yeah, I don't want to talk about it too long because you know I know you need to pick still. So yeah, so with the number two spot, I'm going to go with Patrick Baldwin Jr. Who had, okay, I had him on my list. Who had almost as disastrous of a freshman season as Peyton Watson, who <laughs> had a ton of. Um, preseason hype and expectations to be at, you know, even a top five guy. And now he's being dropped out of the first round in a lot of cases. Um, I'm, you know, I I really don't think I'm going to move him out of the late lottery uh, or mid first round because the potential is there. And all I'm taking away from this year is that he's not the number one guy who can take over an offense and that's okay. 10 guys in the league can do that. Um, So the fact that PBJ can't, I'm still buying in on the talent, the shooting, the feel for the game on both ends of the floor. I think there's a lot there. And if a team brings him in and uses him as an off-ball option and just size and length and shooting, I definitely think there are some really, really high-end outcomes that make us think like, okay, maybe we need to start valuing pre-college tape a lot more and really dive in and factor and pick apart whatever situation they land in for that year in college, if it is disastrous. Yeah, I, he was on my list. Um, I'm still believing, you know, I said, I made this dad joke before. Don't stop believing. Um, I, I just really, I'm like you, Metcalf. It's if I learned anything this year, it's he's not a number one. Yeah. Um, he could be a damn good number two though. And, and I'm still, He's a fantastic one for this segment because it really is boom or bust with him. It's either the nightmare year that he goes and plays with better talent and life is so much easier because all he has to do early on is just catch and shoot, which he can do. Um, People that haven't watched him closely all year are going to be like looking at his three-point percentage. He's like, supposed to be this good shooter and he shot this percent. And it's like, yes, he can shoot. He he can shoot the crap out of the ball. I I'm right there with you. This is one of those players that the more I watch, the more I'm saying I'm, I'm going all in with Patrick Baldwin. I don't care if this is what I miss on. This is what I miss because I'm not going to be the only one. Like um, I'm not saying I'm having him top 10 right now. Like I think I personally had him around late lottery. Oh, I had him 16. I just moved him down a couple. Sorry, Patrick, but that's also another guy that like when I when I get back on the deep dive for him, that might be something where I'm like, okay, move him back up. Cause you mm-hmm. you just don't see that type of smooth shooter come around often. And if he does fall, this could be the best blessing for him because the the more he falls, the better the team theoretically he's gonna go to and the easier his life might be. So um I'm right there with you. I think that was a, I think that's a good one. That was one of my first candidates. I just wanted to be a little aggressive with, with Mr. Watson. All right. Who, who, who you got for three? Um, I'm going to get a little wild. Someone we haven't brought up um, in a, in a minute. Ujman Jank is on my, my second pick. Yeah. He's on my list. Um, here's my thing. Now, everyone listening that is a draft diehard. You're all probably throwing something across the room. You're like, Rucker, come on, man, because this is the guy that's getting hot right now. And everyone wants everyone wants to get on the Ujman 
Zhang. I hope I keep saying his name right because I'm really proud of that one. For if you're not, I'm not going to correct you. Yes, thank you. Um, for you know, everyone's getting on this hype train now. They're jumping on it because it's a it's a really really young wing that's reportedly six ten that looks like he can shoot the crap out of the ball. I get it. I I've been watching him all year. I I've been wanting him. He was the top international guy that everyone wanted to see. Now everyone was buzzing about Nikola Jovic, but I talked to scouts in the beginning of the year and everyone was like, we're hoping Zhang's ready to roll because yeah. you know, they wanted someone to really create some buzz from this international class. And I had asked the same scout like recently I was like, you know, has Zhang's recent performances got you, got you more excited. And he's like, it's, it's promising, but it might be too little too late. Like he's just saying like, I, it, there's, there's growing pains that are going to happen with him. You, it's another guy like Peyton Watson. You're going to have to be patient with, but he has the tools. It, it, it's just like, he's got to get more consistent. He's super skinny. Like yeah. him and Peyton Watson need to live in the weight room together for an entire year. Um, maybe with Giannis, not probably together because what they're doing is really skinny. But I mean, I, the tools are awesome. He has a beautiful shot. He he can hit that corner shot now, like he, which is a big deal for, you know, early contributing role in the NBA. But I think this is going to be a guy that needs to get some confidence because you saw in the beginning of the year, he was just struggling. Like he, he just couldn't adjust to the physical playing side of the NBL. Now he's going to play a little bit more. Um, their team's not the strongest. But he's getting to play a little bit more, learn with those growing pains, and you're really starting to see some flashes. He's got touch in the lane. He, he's got some playmaking upside. So um, I'm really excited about what I've seen. I think we need to pump the brakes a little because I think people are getting a little drunk on this. But um, you know, when you get to a certain point in the range, in the draft, like a certain range, absolutely, he would be a, a worthy gamble. Um, I've even seen some like Rockets fans buzzing about potentially with their second pick. I think that'd be a little rich for me. Um, when you get in the twenties, I'd probably be like, yeah, but some team's going to be saying we can, we can invest in this project. We, we, we're believing in the long term. but um, you know, we're, it's just, it's a hype trains out of control right now. So. Yeah. It really feels like the, the March madness bump, like someone who had an awesome tournament yes. and, you know, is now being projected as a lottery pick, even though they should go in like the forties. Um, I'm not saying Jang should necessarily go in the forties, uh, but based on his, the first two thirds of his season, he kind of did. Um, I, I, I still need to go do that real deep dive on the recent games, but the, the improvement in the numbers and performance and efficiency and all that is super encouraging. Um, you know, we, it's just one of those things where we're going to have to figure out, figure out how real it is because the, the the tools are undeniable. And if you can really harness that level of production from a player in that body, it's a, it's a really rare combination. Yeah. I, I mean, that, we're talking boom or bust guys. That's the biggest boom. Like if he hits, he has the tools um, to be a, damn animal like that there's a reason why you know he was in france he was buzzing then he he makes the jump to go play in the nbl and everyone was like okay like interesting because he was just thin framed yeah playing in france and, and everyone's like might be in for a rude awakening and he did he had it but now you're starting to see that he's really starting to 
everything's clicking a little bit and he's showing more consistency. He's becoming more efficient. So, you know, this is going to be a guy that needs a developmental program. And like we talked in our last episode, Metcalf, like this is a GM who takes him is going to need to have security to wait. You're going to have to wait with Jank. He's not going to be this right away play because he's not there yet. But, you know, if he hits, oh boy. But that's also like if you have two first round picks, that might be one you want to do with your second one. You might want to be like, Sam Presti might get, you know, one of the top three boys and all of a sudden just be like, I'll take a gamble on Jang. What do I got to lose? Like, so that's where I'm at with him. But I do think everyone's getting a little drunk. We need to call an Uber for everyone right now because (laughs) everyone's been at the party too long. All right. With the fourth pick, uh, I'm going to go with someone who I view more as who I have more of a bust view on than a boom. And that's uh, Jean Montero. Okay. Um, wow. I wasn't ready for that. All right. I don't get it at all, but a lot of really smart people are really high on him. So, you know, kind of similar to Jang, he's another guy I really got to go back through and do, you know, my, my, my third or fourth deep dive on to try and figure out what people are seeing and why it's not clicking for me. But Maybe it was a situation thing where he's just kind of coasted, but the fact that he couldn't really dominate consistently against high schoolers, basically, um, is a concern for me. The fact that his decision-making against high schoolers uh, is a real big issue and concern for me. Um, But I am willing to submit that maybe it's situation and he's just out there trying shit and going through the motions um, but he, he's someone who I keep seeing mocked in the lottery or, you know, top 20, top 25 range. And I just, I can't get behind that, especially if I'm looking at small guards and a guy like Iverson Molinar or Kennedy Chandler is on the board. I would much rather go that route than with Montero. Yeah, he, I, I, I'm trying, I just thought of a little bit of a hot take. So that's why I'm trying to find something, um, to kind of give me that ammunition. Montero's really going to be a big boomer bust guy for me because I'm leaning towards out. Um, and I want to come, I want to be in, but mm-hmm. the more and more and more I watch him, I'm struggling. And it's because it's like, I, it, it it really is like it's the headache. I I feel like every draft class you get a headache when you're evaluating guys. You get this one prospect you can't you can't get it out. It's like a a, a bad headache. The more you take Advil, the the more water you drink, it it's it's staying there. You're not getting rid of it. And Montero's that one guy that every time I come like around to him, I'm like, oh, just like a groan, like oh man, like because the the overtime elite stuff, like. I, everyone was downplaying like the competition. That's fine. You still see the burst and, and the, the upside mm-hmm. offensively and the playmaking, like they're all very impressive. I don't know how it's going to translate to the next level. If he's not putting pressure on the rim. Um, and then he goes to the hoop summit and the buzz was that he really struggled finishing around the rim. And I'm like, okay, that's going against guys that are playing next year right. at college. Um, and then, like, 
you know, I, I knew what was going to happen. I, I even said it to the group chat at No Ceilings. It's like, he's going to go out and drop 20, and people are going to get a little bit, like, intrigued again in that in the game. And he did it, but everything was like a, th- uh, a almost like a wide-open three. Yeah. And, and I was just kind of like, okay, so is he going to be this guy that has to shoot from three? Like, I wanted him to, like, show me, like, okay, get all over the place, just some versatility. And it seemed like everything was, I was like, it's a three. There's another three. I get it. Everyone's like, well, he's making all these threes, but I'm like, he needs to have multiple levels for like with the point guard, you need them to be able to do multiple things on the floor. Like, and he's puzzling me because I don't know if it's going to be there consistently. Um, But the problem is, and we've talked about this before. I went back and watched his international tape and I loved him. Like he threw some passes that I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, how did he see that? Like just on a rope, uh, tiny windows. So it's going to be interesting, but, um, you know, I, my hot take I was getting at is like, why, why do I feel like this is Theo Maladon all over again? Because I watched Theo. I really, really liked him as a prospect. Yeah. Um, yeah. not making it up guys. Like I don't change my rankings. Like I had him 25th. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, you know, he averaged seven points and two assists a game overseas for Asvel. And, and I'm, I'm just saying, like, watching him, I had the same buzz where I was like, man, I'm really, I'm really intrigued with him. And and Theo's like Bill, like he's he's got a great yeah. frame, but um, and he showed some promise during his his rookie year with the Thunder, but I think he had like down year, if you want to say it, this year. So yeah. That's my vent. Montero's bugging me. Um, And I did not mean to ramble on this long, but it it is going to be a puzzling one because I thought forever he was going to be a name that heated up in pre-draft workouts. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like from going to, you know, from the the word out of Hoop Summit is it didn't really move the needle at all. And and I thought this was a big week for him. And, And if it's not really moving the needle, I'm like, oh, boy, I don't know. So it got tougher. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that, that inconsistency that he continues to show over and over and over and over again against high schoolers, which is the real problem and concern for me. And and it's not always the best high schoolers in the country on a nightly basis. It's a bunch of OTE guys. So yes, there are some really good players there. I'm not trying to undermine their individual talent, but given the lack of structure and how those guys play and, you know, his, you know, his perceived um, elevated skill set, he should be dominating those games and he should be taking over the hoop summit and he should be able to, you know, really kind of penetrate and score inside. And he just doesn't. So in the future, we'll do a a real deep dive episode on him um, to really dive into who he is. Yeah. Um, But just right now I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. So with, with the fifth pick who you got, and I'm not saying I'm out. I'm out on Montero. I just like it's one of those guys. Like that's going to be one of those. I'm 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 still watching him until like the week before the draft, where I'm like, you better sell me already. Like just do it. But, uh, but okay, um, this is where I get interesting because I'm trying to get outside the box because I feel like we mention the same guys every time. Okay, you ready for this one, please? David Roddy. Mm, okay. Um, 
And here's why. I think someone's going to be convinced he can be a weapon X. Um, I think some playoff team is going to be like, hell yeah, we'll roll the dice. Because if he can stick, and I'm not saying he's going to be a starter. If he can stick and be like a nice seventh guy where it's like a, a dynamic wrinkle that's a that's an interesting weapon to have um, in your rotation, and, and I understand like the concerns about his height and how is it going to work. But I think like some playoff team, like Miami or some, I don't know. I get like PJ Tucker role vibes from David Roddy. Now I'm not saying that David Roddy's the defender that PJ Tucker was coming out of college. But I'm saying maybe it's like a more offensive-minded version of that because he has playmaking ability. He can shoot the crap out of the ball. His footwork's outstanding. I could just see some playoff team being like, this is this is our eighth guy, and, and we're going to figure it out, and maybe you have the pieces around him to kind of hide that limited size. But, you know, we're talking boomer bust. I don't even know if I'm all in on David Roddy, but I do think some team's going to be like, we're going to – we're going to roll the dice on David Roddy potentially being a nice weapon for us. That's, you know, unique and different. And um, yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah. Now I see, I just had my migraine with the Montero pick you gave me and I threw it right back at you. Cause you look like you're about to punch the computer screen and <laughs> so, <laughs> you look like Patrick Beverly in the first half. <laughs> No, so I, I, I get why people like Roddy. Um, and I also get why I, people don't like Roddy. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel like he might just be one of these awesome college players. Yeah. Which, you know, is fine. That's certainly better than anything I, I certainly could ever do. But I mean, obviously, I, I, obviously, the, well, okay. <laughs> uh, so obviously the the weight is the first thing that stands out. The build, it's weird, but I don't really care. I think NBA coaches are creative enough and to kind of scheme and put together rosters to maximize guys' abilities. So I, I don't really care that he's a 255-pound shooting guard. Um, the footwork on offense, I think, is really incredible. He's just always on balance. He's really quick with it. Um, his step backs, his spins, his ability to really quickly elevate into a shot is really intriguing. Um, the, the the defense is my biggest issue with it. And I don't think he's necessarily a bad defender, but every time I watched him defend on the perimeter and he had his high foot attacked, he was always a step slow. And that's where the physical limitations concern me. Um, Because I I generally think that offensive footwork translates pretty well for him on defense where he moves his feet nicely, but I think they're slow. And I just really see NBA teams targeting him over and over and over again and playing him off the floor really quickly. And I'm not sure that his offensive ceiling is going to be enough to really outweigh what he is or who he is as a defender. So it wouldn't stun me if he's one of these guys that's like an awesome six man or something, but he's also one of these players where if I miss on him, I'm fine with it. Where do you have him? Uh, 64. Oh, wow. I feel like I'm believing more than most of the no ceilings crew. I have him at, at 43. 
Um, okay. And I, I, I get it because the, the, if the offensive stuff is real, if that really translates for him, I, you know, I, I think the shooting could be legit. And then if it is, it's, he, he could be a guy. I just, I, I really struggle with seeing him get beaten on that high foot and being slow to flip his hips over and over and over again and stuff like that. It just really burrows into my mind and it's tough for me to get over when you have that glaring of an issue, um, at least in my eval. And, you know, that's something that can be attacked over and over again and not necessarily schemed out super easily. This is going to sound like I'm rooting against him. I'm not. Um, This sounds almost like a guy. I could see David Roddy struggling to latch on somewhere and then down the road figures it out and like sticks for a long time. And that's what I'm not saying like this happens. Like guys just keep bouncing around and then all of a sudden some team really gives them a chance and they've, they've not get, not been humbled, but they've like kind of figured out and it's like the perfect fit. Um, Duncan Robinson, who's in the G league forever. And and I was like, someone, he's got to go to the right team and and he goes to the heat and it was like perfect. So it just happens with these guys. Um, the defense, the defense thing is so interesting to me because it, when a guy has great footwork offensively, you'd think that they could translate to the other side. It seems like it, if he's great defensively with his footwork and it's not the same offensively, it's like, well, okay, that's fine because he has the ball. He's trying to figure out where to go with it. Like, it, you know, some kind, sometimes yeah, like so guys. Go for, ahead. For, for, from what I've seen, the, like the footwork is fine on its own it's when you force him to change directions where if he's shading a guy left and they cross over to their right and he's got to flip his hips that's where he gets lost and it's not like a bad mechanical thing it's just it's slow and by the time he gets there the guy's already got a step on him and then in in the nba against nba wings and guards you know that that step might as well be a mile yeah he he, he's He's on my list. He's coming up. Um, that's going to be a day where I'm having a real, real heck of a day. And I'm going to be like, okay, David Roddy, it's time to, it's time to dance. So yeah, I'll be interested to watch that, especially because that was literally the question I was just going to ask you. I was like, is it fundamentals or is it just slow? And, and if it's just slow, then you're like, oh boy. Um, Cause that's hard to hide. <laughs> it's hard yeah. to hide that, especially when all of a sudden, if you were slow foot in the college, that's going to get worse in a hurry at the next level. So um, interesting. All right. Who you got? Who goes, right. you got? Uh, next up with at the number six spot, I'm going to go with a guy we've talked about a couple times uh, who most of the no ceilings crew is not high on uh, Bryce McGowan's. Um, okay. Wow. Shout uh, out Nathan. I, Nathan's yeah, going to be knocking at your door. In like I, <laughs> I believe Nathan is writing for him on Monday. So make sure to go check that out over on noceilingsnba.com. Shameless plug. Um, but I, I think when you look at Bryce McGowan's scoring ability, it, there is a lot there to really fall in love with. Now, the shot didn't fall this year. And I think a lot of that is lack of strength and really bad shot selection. I uh, It felt like he left a lot of stuff short and he took some just awful pull-ups all season long, 
what really encouraged me though was as the season progressed he started improving his shot selection and attacking downhill and when he attacked downhill and got to the rim that's when he saw a lot of success that's when he was getting those 20 plus point games and nebraska was pulling out a couple wins towards the end of the season <sighs> the defense is a whole nother conversation um it's tough but if that if he can really hone in that shooting consistency and ability that I think a lot of us think he could have um, and improve that shot selection, I think there is like legitimate starting like shooting guard upside with him. Um, But if those bad habits don't get ironed out, then I think he, you know, I get like poor man's Karis LeVert vibes from him. And I don't think that guy's on a whole lot of NBA teams. The second half of the season sold me on Much even potentially buying in on Bryce McGowan. It's like yeah. I, I, I was pretty early on. I was like, I, uh, I mean, and we just talked about Jordan Poole last episode. I was just getting the, the vibes of like, mm-hmm. oh, the shot selection all over the place, erratic. Then the second half of the season, he looked much better. He's super thin, but he gets he has real estate at the free throw line. Like he gets to the rack. He wants to get to the rack. I love that. He doesn't play as skinny as he is. No, like, no. Yeah. And like when we talk about Turquavion Smith, who like really avoids contact at the rim and has like a really concerning free throw rate, Bryce McGowan is the, the exact opposite. He's challenging guys at the rim and he's not afraid of contact. And he's got some, some actually like pretty impressive vertical pop too. And he's slippery. Um, yeah through traffic like he glides through the lane he can really get places in a hurry so it's a good one because i'm i'm buying it like there's always a a wing with offensive upside that starts to get a little bit of love like at at the late end of the first round um and and i like bryce mcgowan's like it i really do like I'm a sucker for guys that will be tough and get to the free throw line. And and you, you know how skinny he is. He knows it, but he just has a desire to get to the rack. And I'm still kind of, I guess when I watch him, I'm still buying into the fact of like playing alongside better talent might Mm -hmm. make his life a lot easier. Um, Might make that efficiency click on a more, you know, solid pace. Now, another guy that, if he got drafted late in the first, it, it either some team's going to give him a shot or some team's going to be like, hey, let's let's get you some playing time in the G League. Let's get you some extended run down there and get your confidence rolling. Then let's unleash you um, when you're ready. But and I feel I hate when people think like me saying the G League is a bad. No, the G League is like one of the best resources in NBA. Huh? Do you think Jalen Green likes the G League experience right now? So I I. I I like Bryce. It's just one of those guys where like the beginning of the year, I was like, ah, no. And now I saw that second <laughs> half and I was like, Oh, like maybe I might be in. So yeah. Um, yeah guy the, the, the fact that him. he showed like s- some in season changes to how he played, I thought was really encouraging. It wasn't permanent and it wasn't all the time. There was still plenty of really, you know, eye roll inducing pull-ups that he took, but it was also a lot more of attacking downhill and that, that, mid-season change i think um is really important i you kept mentioning end of the first i have him at like 27 so really any spot after 20 i'd be fine taking a swing on him because i i do think he could you know produce lottery value down the road i just think it's gonna be a little bit and there are some serious concerns with 
the shot selection, the habits, the defense um, that he needs to iron out. You said you have him at twenty-seven. Uh, yes. Yeah, I got him. At, I got him at twenty-eight. Um, so we're almost right there, and I feel like that's a good spot. Like, yeah. if he goes early twenties, I won't be surprised. Um, yeah. I could see some team buying into the offensive upside, and um, I, I, I still think he's going to end up a first rounder. I know the yeah, the the Bryce McGowan's guy on Twitter got pissed at us because <laughs> we had him going in the second round of a mock draft, and I was like, dude, like. Did you see our big board? He was 26. Like we all like him. It's just like happens with mocks. We can't predict. Like we're not just going only off our big board, but um, no, I like McGowan's a lot. I'm intrigued with him. I I still think like some, that's the range he wants to go in. I I know everyone's like, what are you talking about? He wants to go in the lottery, but I'm like, if he goes to a playoff team, someone's going to have a really good plan for him um, Mm -hmm. to really bring out his strengths. Like that's, that'd be a great addition. I mean, Imagine him with all those pieces around. It would be awesome, like for the stronger rosters. So, um, okay. Am I, what is this, my fourth? Yeah, you're up number seven overall. Man, I can either get, have a good one or piss off a lot of people. Which one would you like? I feel like those go hand in hand. So, yeah, usually. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, I'll throw one out we haven't talked about. And I'm sorry to everyone listening. This is going to hurt a lot of people, and I'm sorry. But this is a boom or bust guy, and I, I think it could be a boom. But I'm not sold on it not being bust. Walker Kessler. Mm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, I like Walker Kessler a good amount. Um. He's the poster child for a 1990s center that would have been drafted probably in the top 10. No, but being serious, like I, I love his shot blocking ability. I think the offensive upside's legit. Um, I think there's some really intriguing tools. I'm worried about him switching onto guards. Um, I'm worried about him guarding smaller ball handlers, and that's a big one. Um, I know how gifted of a shot blocker he is, but. I have to do a deep dive on him. So this answer could change in a month, but I think like if he hits, you're talking about a great big with like great size. Um, And, and he's going to have that anticipation for as a shot blocker. He's physical. He's nasty around the basket. He's got some good footwork. I get it all. Like I'm buying it too, but the one thing I can't leave out of my head is like, is Walker Kessler going to be guarded is he going to be okay when he's getting switched on? Because like, is this going to be a guy that they're hunting for guards to go at? Maybe he's fine. Maybe I'm just, you know, venting right now and everyone thinks I'm crazy. You get in line. Cause that line's long. Um, but it's just one guy, like I'm, I'm trying to throw someone new out and, and I always look at Walker Kessler and I'm like, I'm probably going to end up buying on him pretty big once I do like the entire deep film dive. But the only thing I, I've, question this year when i've watched him as like is does he have heavy feet and, and is that going to be exposed at the next level going up against guards so yeah no i'm i'm right there with you defensively and you know the the, the shot blocking is undeniable he had the best block rate in the history of bartorovic at 18.8 um 
and that's absurd. Is that good? It's, it sounds good. It's good. Yeah. Well, when, well, I guess technically he tied le- freshman Larry Sanders. Um, Larry, shout out Larry. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that when you do something that no one else has ever done, it's pretty good. Um, I do think the rim protection is legitimate. I, you know, I think he's going to be a really strong tool in drop coverage, but if he's forced to play anything else, I think it could be pretty disastrous. I, I kind of hate the way he moves on the perimeter. I think he's really heavy footed. I think he's really kind of slow out there. Um, Gosh, I'm so glad I brought this up because me and you haven't talked about him and we usually yeah. see eye to eye about stuff. The feet just seem like he's got cinder blocks. Yeah. But he's unbelievable shot blocker. Like he's so, I love him mm-hmm. around the basket. He's yeah. got great timing. He's nasty. I love it. Um mm-hmm. But when he has to move, like a lot, I I get nervous because I'm like, oh boy, like is is Chris is Chris Paul? Well, he does this to everyone. Is Chris Paul <laughs> going to be like, hey Walker Kessler, why don't you come on out here and literally just be like, give him the a torture chamber? I don't know. I just have questions. Yeah, and I, the the comp I keep seeing and hearing and I've even used it in the past before too is could he be Brooke Lopez and defensively I think maybe um I think Brooke's done an awesome job of kind of staying more balanced and um kind of staying within himself once he gets dragged out onto the perimeter and Kessler just seems to really get his momentum leaning one way or the other and then really struggles to kind of contain it and redirect it in a positive fashion. And it's just like a, a swing going back and forth and just out of control. And then my, my, my bigger issue with that comp is I think that really does a disservice to what Brooke Lopez is offensively. And yes, I, I also I think, might do a disservice to what Walker Kessler is defensively hot take potentially. Um, but I, I do think Kessler is like a legitimate vertical spacer. Um, according to Bartorovic, uh, of his 153 made two, 79 of them were dunks. I, I think that that he is a legitimate lob threat, whether out of the dunker spot or out of the pick and roll. He clearly wants to be a shooter, but he's I think he's far from that. And the big difference why I think Brooke really was able to become a, like a reliable outside shooter in his latter years is that he really displayed that touch in the post over and over and over again for years. And that touch on his hook shots on those mid range jumpers that he was able to pull that out to three. I don't see Kessler having any of that touch on layups around the rim on mid range pull-ups on threes. It's this catapult, motion that it looks like he's chucking a rock or like a medicine ball against the backboard. Um, so I, I, I know he wants to shoot badly and I, I'm not ruling it out that he gets there. I just think he has a ways to go to do that. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing is I'm listing all these guys and these guys are all like, I have a list of guys I just write down like, okay, let me get through the the big boys and then let me really hit the trenches and it's like Walker Kessler, everyone I'm listening. I'm like, I need to get at this point in the next month of the year. It's like, you need to get, are you in or out? Like you need to have an idea about them. Cause then you got to start finalizing your boards and 
Um, obviously some stuff we got going on at no ceilings, hint, hint, but you know, I, I Walker's on that and, and I watched every game. Everyone's been buzzing about this year about for Walker. Like, I'm not saying I haven't watched these guys. I've just watched them quick and now I need to focus and lay it all out at once. So I've seen the games where he had, you know, 12 blocks. I, I've seen those days, but I'm trying to figure out, is he booming or is he going to be a, are we getting a little too drunk on the idea of what he could become? Like, is his floor more realistic than his ceiling, if that makes sense? But yeah, that's where I'm at. Hit me. What do you got? All right. Uh, ninth overall or eighth overall, excuse me. Um, I don't think we've talked about this guy yet, so I'm going to go with him instead of another guy I'm thinking of who I might save to last. Uh, I'm going to go with Turquavion Smith, who I wrote about last week, and I definitely think there's an NBA guard in there. I I, I think he, he... Go on a rant. I need to hear all I can about so, Turquavion right now because people are like still at the bar at 3 a.m. drunk on Turquavion Smith lately. And, and right. I've seen... A little. I've watched a good amount. I need to stop selling myself short. I've watched a good <laughs> amount. Like, what do I do? I don't have a life besides watching draft film. Um, so I've watched a good amount. But that one's... I'm waiting for a real long night to do that one. So just talk, just vent it all out to me. Hit me with it. Yeah. I need to read um, your article. No, thanks for this. No, well, I try to do them all. Like, <laughs> I, I don't I like to read all of them like in like five in a row and then be like, cool. Thanks guys. You're awesome. I, I love yeah. this team. Yeah. So I, 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 I really dove into Turquavion scoring last week over on no ceilings on BA.com. Shameless plug. Go check it out. Um, and I, 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 the, the shooting is legitimate and the way he gets into his shots, I think is really important. He's like a really quick and snappy ball handler. Um, he improvises well. He creates enough space. It's not a ton of space creation on his step backs and side steps, but he has such a quick release that he doesn't need to create, you know, six feet on the step backs. He just needs three, and that shot's out of his hands, lightning quick. Um, and he doesn't hesitate with it either, which is both a, a good and a bad thing. Um, the the mid range shot selection is brutal. Um, it's Ooh, in line okay. with, it's in it, it's a lot of, it's really similar to Bryce McGowan's pull-up game to Blake Wesley's pull-up game. Um, the difference with Smith's interior scoring from those guys is those guys attack the rim and attack shot blockers. Smith avoids them and he takes his 160 pound body and tries to contort it around and avoid contact, which is why he has one of the lowest, um, free throw rates given his usage in the country. And that is where I get really concerned is there isn't that willingness to draw fouls. There isn't that craft at the rim to bait guys into fouling him and that willingness to really generate contact and get the, get to the line to get easy points. And if he's not doing that, then he's purely just a shooter. And that worries me what encourages me a little bit more is that he's got some serious vertical pop where this dude can get off the floor quickly. And especially in transition, isn't afraid to dunk it on guys. Um, it's when the weak side rotation is already there on his drives that he 
gets really frazzled. Um, and in the NBA, that's going to be that's going to happen more than it isn't. As a playmaker, it's a lot of flash. Um, there's some really absurd assists and some really absurd passes, but he makes a lot of really young player mistakes, like leaving his feet way too frequently on passes and trying to thread the needle when just a simple, you know, extra passes there instead. And then the defense was just really hit or miss for me. So I get a lot of Anthony Simons vibes from him because he's got that scoring and that athleticism, but the body isn't ready to handle NBA physicality yet. And I, you know, I think it will get there. I, I expect him to get stronger and yada, 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 but he's got to go to one of these places that's really going to be patient with him. And like we talked about the last episode, that's so rare. And if he doesn't get into that spot, I don't see it going super well for him. Can can I put, can I go a little oh, off track always, real quick? Always. Um, what, why, why, why would he be a first round pick? I listened to that whole scouting report. So, so why would, and I'm not trying to call out anyone. I'm just, I'm saying, why would someone see him as a first round pick? Cause I, I heard everything you just said. Um, that's why I look like a psychopath when Metcalf's talking. Cause I'm just calculating everything in my head. And I, that's, that sounds like a second round guy to me. That sounds like a priority second round guy, which everyone listening right now is going like, well, sometimes people just take him at the end of the first. And I'm like, yeah, I know that. That's why I'm saying that's a priority second round guy. But, you know, 6'4", 160? Yeah, man, he's tiny. It, I mean, we're talking about guys that are skinny that are 185. Yeah. Now take 25 pounds off that. Yeah. 15 pounds off that. Good math, Tyler. Gosh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So I I would say the reason 25 that he... pounds. Am I an idiot? Yeah, I can't do math today. Wow. Sorry, yeah, guys. No, I'm I, really I, hey, you guys seen Goodwill hunting? It's about my math skills. <laughs> um, but I I don't know. If you so had I, I, I wouldn't take him in the first. So I but if you I had two first round picks. Oh, yeah, get, I would. Okay. There, there. See, now it, we're like, if if I for sure got the guy I wanted at pick eight, and then I had something else at twenty two, um, yeah, I, I would I would do that, um, because I it would be the same case for why Jordan Poole went in the first, why Anthony Simons went in the first, and should those guys necessarily have gone there? Maybe not, but they went to organizations that had clear development plans for them and were put in a spot where they didn't have to get rushed into being who they are now. Um, And if Smith goes to a place where they expect him to play and contribute within a year or within the first two years, I think they're going to be really disappointed because I don't think he's ready for that physicality. And, and obviously it's going to hurt him the most on defense. Uh, He already has some, kind of bad habits, especially off ball and defense that a lot of young players have, but that mindset of not being able to initiate or play through contact at the rim is the biggest concern for me. The shot is legit. He was in, especially off the catch. I think he was in like the 83rd percentile overall shooting off the catch and like the 97th when left open. So if a NBA team takes him in the first, it'll be because they are convinced of the shooting of the on-ball creation of the athleticism and they really believe that they can 
help mold and, you know, iron out those bad habits and improve him physically. I'm not going to lie. You, you, you didn't make me feel warm and fuzzy yeah. about taking him in the first, but I no, actually, it, that's what huge, I love about you. It's a lotto ticket. That's why this, he's good for the segment then. But when I watched him, I immediately was like, Oh my gosh, he, he's got, he's got a, this is a bucket getter. Just by seeing yeah. his shot and how smooth it was, I was like, that's a bucket. This is a bucket. So, um, but the, the the frame, I'm not a frame shame guy. That's why I like Chet. But there's a difference between being undersized guard, super skinny, and shy from contact than being a seven-foot big that goes at people and can use his length to block shots. There's a big difference because, um, you know, is Dracavion Smith going to guard Jalen Brown? Do you, th- do you think that's going to be a, a good matchup for him? Like, it's just, you know. But I do, when I watched him, I was like, okay. But I, I just thought this was an next year guy. Like, I thought this was going to be a guy that just skyrocketed. And I was like, oh, I, I'm, I'm excited to watch him develop. But, um yeah, that's a good one. I, I like the curveball because I have a feeling we're going to have a couple episodes where we're going to talk about him as the draft gets closer. So I'm excited. Now I'm going to probably do that film sooner than I thought because now you got my head spinning and, and I'm really buzzing it, about that. He, he He's a fun watch, um, especially when things are going right. But when they're going wrong, it's you're pulling your hair out at every bad pull-up. You're pulling your hair out at every time he tries – or he attacks the rim and then jumps at a 45 degree angle and flips something up over his head and it doesn't, and it barely hits um, the backboard, but like the, the free throw rate comment I made earlier. So uh, among players with a usage rate of at least 25 Turquavion Smith has the 13th lowest free throw rate in the country. And I, that's a big concern for me. So can you say that again? Did you say he said he has the thirteenth lowest free throw rate in the Correct. country? So his free throw Got rate it. of eighteen point eight, and the lowest in the country is twelve point one for players who like actually have the ball. Yeah, that's less than ideal. It's not. Yeah, it's not great. And at one sixty, you know, it's it it feels like something that's really been ingrained, just in his subconscious of how to play because of how small he is. Now, again, everyone, I promise, I understand he's a teenager. I get that people get stronger and their bodies mature. And I expect that to happen, but how much that happens, I'm not sure. And how quickly, and if those kind of habits at the rim can really be taken out of his game, I'm more skeptical on that than improving a guy's body. When he played with Sebron, right? Yeah, and Sebron. So, like, was like if, if you could have like molded them, yeah, they'd be, they'd that, be freaking that, out. That'd be awesome. Yeah. What a funny wrinkle! Because I know Sebron's like rim running. It's absurd. Monster, uh, or not rim running, but he's just like attacking the basket monster. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. I like that one. All right, I got my at last number, pick at, at number nine. Who you got? Oh man, I had someone and then you just threw me completely off and now I don't know where I'm... Oh, it's time. Okay. While we were doing this podcast, he just declared. J.D. Davison. Oh, he did. 
Yeah. Oh boy. And that, like, my like friends, de- like declared, declared, like not. I haven't looked all? too much because I'm trying to give my full attention to the podcast, but really, um, as you always do. Yeah. Um, let let let's. <laughs> I I mean. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> I get it. Now, I, I it, people can go back and listen to us talk about J.D. Davidson since the beginning of the year, and, and my opinion still feels the exact same. I've watched him. Um, I'm always hesitant about super athletic guards that lived off of it in high school that are now making the jump to college. Davidson's last um, – I think it was in the tournament. Yeah, it was a tournament when um, – Quinterly got hurt, right? And Davison had to play like super extended minutes. Uh, I think so. I think so. I, they, they, they all blend together. Yeah. If if I'm if I'm wrong, sorry guys, but this is the game I'm talking about. Um, I think yeah, it was in the tournament. I think Quinterly got hurt like the first two minutes, and then and Davison had to play extended minutes because he's been coming off the bench all year. And he he had if you look at the box score, he had a good game, but he still makes some passes. They're just pull your hair out. Um, yeah. Like they were making a, a comeback. If you want to call it that. And he like drove right, got caught in the air through like a cross court pass. And the moment he like jumped in the air, I was like, if you throw that, that is <laughs> off to the races. And it was, I think Blake Wesley took it and went down through down a slam. And it was like, Oh, there, that, that's yep. the nail in the coffin. And he, I've seen him do that a couple times where it's like wraparound passes. He's just trying to do too much. Like he's just, he has one, he, he tries to go a million miles an hour right now. And I understand he has the burst. I understand in transition, dude is an absolute lightning bolt where it comes to just his speed and the top speed is, is freakish. But the next level, you got to be able to play in, in multiple gears. You got to play different speeds. You have to be under control. And I was just rooting for Davidson to go back for another year. Um, maybe he still can. I, I, I'm not trying to dive down that rabbit hole while we're on, um, the air. Uh, and, and maybe he's just trying to go test the waters and see kind of where his stock's at. But this has also been one that I feel like at, at no ceilings, we've had, we've had some mixed opinions. Um, I could see someone taking him in the first round still. Um, would I fuck no. no. And, and, and I, so where, where I do think you have he, that? And I, I'm not rooting against him. It, it's just no, I don't see it. We never are. He's not ready, in my opinion. Like he, I don't even think like a year of the G League would would get him ready to jump into the NBA. Like he needs time. And I have him, and I don't feel good about it. I have him at 44. Okay. And I, I think I have 54. him high. I think I have him high. Yeah. Like I, I just the tools are all there. But it, it, it needs real grooming. And, and I don't even think – like this is a boom or bust poster child because he can get downhill. He can he can jump with anyone. Um, he can run with anyone in open court. He's like <laughs> – he's like uh, – have you seen all the Mighty Ducks movies? Mm-hmm. You know the guy that can't slow down? Yeah. Yeah, he's the exact, and I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the name. I, I'm really embarrassed by myself, but he's the guy that can't slow down. That he just keeps skating into all the the soda cans over and over and over again. He just got he's got to figure out how to downshift and like play with more pace. And and sometimes he shows it. Sometimes he has 
beautiful passes. It's just flashes right now. And someone, he's going to need it to be more consistent. Because I, I do think there's real legit tools. I think someone would still gamble and draft him early as a as a developmental guy. Corey's said it. He's like, I, I could still see him going to the first. And I was like, I can too. Because the end of the first round gets really interesting territory. Like stuff happens. You're like, whoa. But um, yeah, that's my... I'm rooting for him because I like him and it's not just his hair, but I, I just want, I don't like guys going too early. I know like go get your money, but I also think JD Davis could go back and get way more money because he can skyrocket up the draft boards, but that's my rant. Yeah. I, I just, I don't see it with him. Um, I see just way too much Dennis Smith jr. Uh, the game feels very, Oh, that one hurt. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I love like, Dennis at yeah, NC State. Same, I love him. Um, there are long stretches where I forget that JD's even on the floor, and the only reason I remember is because of his hair. Um, that's hard to do. That, like, that's really impressive. If you don't notice him on the floor with that hair, well, I guess like, obviously with the hair. <laughs> no, I'm saying like if he if th- we've talked about this before, like that's a big thing about evaluating. Yeah. It's like I can't notice you're on the court. But I'm saying, like, with his hair, if you can't notice he's on the court, it's, that's even more alarming. But but uh, it, it, it feels very, like, point A to point B, where it's all straight line. He doesn't have that change of pace, like you said, that downshift, the, the wiggle. It's The game feels very fast for him right now. Um, yeah, it's just we, we've been preaching it all, all year. But when we say we think a guy should go back, it, that's not a negative. We think we're pro going back and developing your game and going to the NBA when you're ready. And hey, maybe we're wrong. I hope we look like idiots for where we have him. Um, wow, that, that that one just kind of surprised me. But he he the last thing I'll say on him yeah. is. And I'm not I'm not rooting against J.D. Davidson. He, he looks like a guy that went to college, realized everything's really fast, tried to beat it by playing faster. Yeah. And now what, what do you think he's going to try to do at the NBA level where the most, I've written about this, the most difficult thing with NBA guards is the speed. Like the speed is so much faster. So now all of a sudden, is he going to just like play with pace? Like, no, he's going to probably try to play even faster, which is going to make him out more out of control. That's just why I'm saying, like, man, I wish he went back and and it was like his show. Let him kind of run everything and play with more like control and stuff, and then he might be more ready. Because I don't want a guy to be not ready and, and get drafted and just be thrown to the wolves, where it's like his confidence just plummets. Now, maybe some team takes him and looks him in the eye and says, "You're gonna play in the G League for a long time this year." <laughs> And that's brilliant because that's what he needs. He needs game reps of playing lengthy extended minutes to, to get the kinks out. And cause he was coming off the bench all year. So he needs to just get reps. He needs to get time. And that's why I was wanting him to go back is cause he just needs time. Now the G league is, is going to be a great asset for a lot of these guys that we're talking about tonight. And maybe JD Davison is one of them. Maybe he goes back roll tide. We will see. Um, with, with the with the the last pick, number ten. Uh, I mean, I'm going to go with a guy who we've talked about a ton. Um, I just don't get it. 
but I keep seeing him marked between 15 and 20, and that's Blake Wesley. Oh, I knew the West. I thought Wesley was coming for like three picks. Yeah, I I, I, I tried to go a different route, but it, it would have felt wrong not having him on this list. I get what people are infatuated with. I really like the ball handling, the space creation. The fact that his jumper looks different on every single jumper he takes is a real big concern for me where your jump shot mechanics should not be like a snowflake where no two are identical. Um, it should be identical every single time. And the, I, I know there's really good shooting performances that he put up. I just, I don't buy it as being a legitimate skill. I don't think he has any at rim finishing craft. Um, I'd like that he goes in and initiates contact. I think that's a real big plus and encouraging, and I think the defense is solid. So I guess when I, I don't necessarily see him falling out of the league because I think he has enough tools right now to at least be in like that seven to 10 spot on a rotation. But when I keep seeing people mock him top 10, top 15, top 20, you're wanting to get a top six or a top four player in a rotation out of that. And I I really struggle to see that. And if that shot never comes around, I don't think he has a chance in hell of hitting that, especially with the shot selection. Maybe that decision-making and shot selection were a symptom of who he was asked to be as a player at Notre Dame because they didn't really have anyone else like him on the team. I'm willing to admit it. I hope that's the case. But what he put on tape every night from a decision-making standpoint, from a feel for the game standpoint, really worries me. I'm right there with you. I, I, yeah, it's we, we, we've I, talked about we've him talked about him a lot. I in the next coming months when I've done deep dives on everyone, then I'll take the gloves off and be like, "This is exactly what I think of them." And, and if I'm wrong, I hope I'm wrong on all of my negatives. But um, I, I, I usually see stuff eye to eye with you, and I'm I'm pretty spot on there with you about Wesley. Um, the, the lottery talk's rich for me. Very rich. Yeah. Very, very rich. Um, I understand why everyone wants to jump on that idea, but I, I'm still not. No, I, I'm not there because I'm like you. If, if the shot's not falling, what, what, what's, what's the next thing? Right. And, and, I think, and I trust a guy like Bryce McGowan's or Caleb Houston's shot to come around a lot more than I do Blake Wesley's. Yeah. So I, I get those aren't, you know, apples to apples comparisons of players but you know when we're talking about young players who didn't shoot well this year i would really expect those guys to shoot well before i would expect wesley to but if wesley's shot does come around i you know i think the mechanics essentially need to be completely reworked and built from the ground up but if that shot does come around then you know that, that then i think he's a legitimate scoring guard in the nba yeah I'm right there with you. Did you uh, did you have any other contenders that you were too nervous to mention? Um, no, not too nervous. Come on, no. Um, a, a couple of guys who didn't make the cut: Josh Minot, Kendall Brown, Caleb Houston, Julian Champagne, excuse me, um, and Harrison Ingram were the, were, were the remaining. Ooh, names on the Harrison list. would have been a good one. Um, the first three you rattled off, I had the exact same, which was yeah. which was crazy creepy. Um, <laughs> My knots there, but I'm going to give our boys at No Ceilings that are in love with him some some patience because I, I yeah. need to do. I've watched him. I need to do another one, but I, I, I'm 
I'm pumping the brakes there. Um, shout out Maxwell. I know Maxwell is extremely high on him. Uh, I thought about Kennedy Chandler, but I still think mm. I like him a lot. Um, I thought Jovic maybe, mm. but I do like Jovic. So Max Christie, your boy. Um, yeah. Pretty much, uh, you know, Christy and Caleb are the, the boom, boom boys. Like, if they yeah. click, oh, my goodness. But, um, yeah, this was fun. Yeah. I, I know this is a long one, but this was a, this was a fun episode. And please, everyone listening, remi- remember, we are rooting for everyone. We, we, we want all these guys to be booms. We, we, yes. we don't want any bus. We no are bus. anti-bust. Anti-bust. <laughs> uh, well, Rucker, thank you so much for your time. Uh, of course. As always. As always, what was the best thing you saw recently? Um, I feel like we talked about a couple in the beginning. Um, yeah, I, the, I just Beverly throwing the shirt. I, I can't not mention it. <laughs> um, oh, you know what it is? It, it's uh, he was drinking a beer in his post game <laughs> conference. The best was everyone giving him shit for how he acted after the game, like throwing the shirt, getting on the scores table, throwing the shirt. And everyone's like, oh, maybe he'll calm down when he gets in. And then he goes in the locker room, gets on Instagram live, talking shit about the Clippers, then goes to the press conference with like a Bud Light. And I was just like, just keep rolling. Just keep doubling down, Pat. He's at the craps table just pushing like everything. So, um, yeah, I can't not reference that. That, yeah. that was my best. What about you? Besides the T-Wolves? Um, no, you can well, talk about Nothing, T-Wolves. nothing. Um, <laughs> our, our, our Lord and Savior, Anthony Devante Edwards, uh, just just put, putting on a show, ma- making his arrival, and he doesn't turn 21 until August. Um, the the fact that him and Pep did their post-game presser together, and just like the, the contrast of Beverly, this veteran, drinking a Bud Light, and Anthony, who's still a kid, drinking a Gatorade, um, who's legally not allowed to drink what Beverly is drinking. Um, I, I just thought that was, it was a really just funny visual. But yeah, Rucker, please plug plug away. Tell the people where they can find you, where they can support you. Um, I'm at noceilingsmba.com. We're releasing this. Well, we recorded this early this week um, because Metcalf's selfish and has to go to town. So are we releasing this tonight? Are we doing back-to-backs? Or are we going to release yeah. this tomorrow? Oh, yeah. Wow. No, it's amazing. going up tonight because otherwise I'm going to forget. And yeah, I love that. Three, three days from now, you're going to be like, oh, uh, where are we? <laughs> so while I'm saying that is tomorrow morning, I will have my piece on Jeremy Sohan up and it's going to be a heater. I'm, I'm pretty pumped about it. Um, I think everyone's going to like the artwork very, very much. Shout out Corey. Corey went crazy with it. Um, exactly what I wanted him to do. But yeah, I'm at uh, nosailingsmba.com, shameless plug. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at BackwardV or Tyler underscore Rucker. And uh, Metcalf, as always, this is a blast. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I feel like the talks are going to get really, really fun. I know they are already, but I feel like yeah, as the uh, month thanks. advances, <laughs> we're going to have some fun stuff. I know we got some guests in the works and, and everything like that. So thanks for always doing this with these. And it's been awesome. Yes, sir. Um, please make sure to go check out that Jeremy Suhan piece. Uh, for the artwork alone, I, I saw it already. It's incredible. And then I'm sure Rucker will have some 
so, so, some at least decent insight to go along with it. Decent. <laughs> Once again, I'm Tyler Metcalf. You can follow me on Twitter at tmetcalf11, and you can find all of our written work at noceilingsnba.com, where you can subscribe to our newsletter. It's 100% free and gets delivered directly to your inbox, so you don't have a valid excuse to not sign up. Uh, please also subscribe to us on YouTube at no Ceilings TV and follow us on Twitter at noceilingsnba. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and a five-star rating. Until next time, see ya.